Blog Talk Radio. database 
Says here, let's get something straight here. Considering the liars are working full time to change the truth. Focus. Uh, stop calling the Iraq War a mistake. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Iraq War was not a mistake. It resulted from calculated deception. The painful, barn varnished fact is that we were led, to, we were lied to. Now in the times, now is the time to have the willingness to say that. Dennis Kucinich said. I agree with him. Mm-hmm. We were led down a primrose path to, to destruction. Sure. A mess. We knew it. I mean, we were, we were, we were, we were forced to go out and protest this stuff. Yeah. Uh, you haven't heard from Kutnich for quite a while. Well, he lost his receipt. Yeah. And, uh, Is he running again? Or? I don't know what he's doing. There was hint that he might run for president, but really? I don't know where he's going to get the backing there. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I mean, he makes a lot of sense. He always did. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Uh, um, he's written a plan. I've written and spoken widely about this topic, Stop Calling a Reform Mistake. And so today I offer two ways we can begin to address our world. One, President Obama must tell us the truth about Iraq and the false scenario that caused us to go to war. When Obama took office in 2008, he announced that his administration would not investigate or prosecute the architects of the Iraq war. Essentially, he suspended public debate about the war. That may have felt good in the short term for those who wanted to move on, but when you're talking about a war initiated through lies, bygones can't be bygones. The unwillingness to confront the truth about the Iraq war has induced a form of amnesia, which is hazardous to our nation's health. Willful forgetting doesn't heal. It opens the doors to more lying. As today's debate ensues about new potential military solutions to stem violence in Iraq, let's remember how and why we intervened in Iraq in 2003. Journal number two, journalists and media <coughs> commentators should stop giving inordinate air in print time to people who were utterly wrong in their support of the war or willful in their calculations to make war. That's for sure. I agree. That's, a, that's all there was out there. Yes. They were, they were sent from the government 
to go around to all no, these talk shows no, no, no. and uh, give the government speech. Well, the talk shows are given to well, hire all these experts, okay? These war experts, uh -huh. they were. There was no stopping the war. Not on any, any station. Um, by and large, uh, one our fourth estate accepted uncritically the the imperative the the imperative war described by top administrators, officials, and Congress leaders. Um, the media fanned the flames of war by not giving adequate coverage to the arguments against military intervention. And President Obama didn't start the Iraq war, but he has the opportunity now to tell the truth, that we were wrong to go in, that the cause of the war was unjust, that more problems were created by military intervention than solved, and that the present violence and chaos in Iraq is, is rise from the decision which took America to war in 2003. More than a decade later, it should not take courage to point out uh, the Iraq war was based on lies. Mm -hmm. And we know that. We were talking about this last night in 2003 before, before, the, before the... A invasion. few others were talking oh, about Oh, millions, millions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were on radio doing it, and... Uh, it is hard we, we to get, to be, you know... We, we, got the word out. We were one of the few that were able to talk and uh, on a ter terrestrial radio, which we think are the only for. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's tough out there, guys, and we're, we're, we're getting bombed again. We're getting screwed again. Obama just sent uh, 279, what a weird number, 279 troops over to Iraq today. Wasn't that odd? Yeah, I mean, you know... I think it'd make it like a 280. Why 279? I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird number. Somebody died on their way over? Probably. But the other reason is, is uh, the supposedly was to get people out of the embassies and to get them right. safely out of, out of Iraq. Our billion-dollar embassy? Three billion. Oh, three billion. Three, remember, I, I couldn't believe how much it was when they were building it and said it's this indestructible building. State-of-the-art? Yeah, the biggest. They're all running like little girls The biggest embassy ever, ever built. So why are we running like little girls out of there? And we're leaving it there, yeah. 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 So we need to take over. Oh, boy. And make it their embassy on our tax dollars. Kidnappings and killings of educated secular class 
who don't accept religious government. <coughs> they are doing so to make Iraq like Syria and Lebanon. Uh, additional pressure cards in the NATO-U.S. renegotiations and to drain Iraq's economy through this corrupt government. They safeguarded their uh, and uh, oil giants' interest in Iraq for the past decade through their militia uh, and the hell uh, with all Iraqi people, Shia, Sunni, and Christian. This is not a sectarian war, so please don't segregate so please stop segregating Iraqi people according to colonial vocabularies and terminologies. Many friends keep analyzing what's happening in Iraq through global geopolitics and what's going on between Russia, China, and USA like a chess game, and not according to their truth and reality on the ground in Iraq. So don't quit on us, but we mostly need you to get rid of what this criminal occupation did to Iraq. So, interesting. Uh, here's an interesting one. <coughs> Go on here. Congressman asked NASA to restore two years of lost Lois Lerner IRS email. Turns out all those jokes about people calling the NSA and asking for backups of lost emails and, of course, files. Because remember, courtesy of complicit mega corporations, the NSA has full backdoor access to everything anyone does. They weren't jokes at all. And now the NSA is caught between a rock and a hard place because it refuses an official congressional demand. It shows once again that the spy agency is entirely separated from any concept of checks and balances and accountability. If it complies, it confirms that all NSA is considering you can't even tap into a bunch of al-Qaeda phones and figure out what the jihadist strategy is in Iraq, is just a massive data repository of all U.S. electronic information to be abused at will by corrupt criminal government workers, some of whom will likely have to resort to the dog-ate-my-emails excuse in the immediate future. Would you like more of that? Oh, uh, yeah. That was just the beginning. Let me get to the rest of it. And this is from Zero Hedge. As the House Ways and Means Committee Chairman David Camp said, the fact that I'm just learning about this over a year into the investigation is completely unacceptable and now calls into question the credibility of the IRS's response to congressional inquiries. He said in a statement, there needs to be an immediate investigation and forensic audit by the Department of Justice as well as the Inspector General. According to the NRO, the agency informed camps that a computer crash resulted in the loss of emails between January 2009 and April 2011, sent between Lerner and outside agencies such as the White House and Department of Justice. How convenient. Those messages are particularly relevant, giving uh, relevations earlier this week that the agency in 2010 transmitted a database to the FBI containing confidential taxpayer information, potentially in violation of federal law. The IRS has said in a separate statement that it has or will produce 24,000 emails from that period between 2009 and 2011 using the files of 82 individuals with whom Lerner corresponded and that it has produced nearly all of the 67,000 emails sent and received by Lerner during the time at the agency. Hmm. Apparently, lack of document and email retention is a crime for everyone, but not for the IRS. And furthermore, only when it comes to the IRS can a single computer crash destroy the entire email path history even as it crosses through the countless servers across the world and ultimately lands in someone else's inbox. 
It goes without saying that the IRS, to even assume someone would believe this particular and quite spectacular lie, is beyond insulting to even the most gullible idiot among the U.S. population. So we won't say it. What, however, was simply a bizarre if idiotic lie has just taken a whole new level of ridiculousness. When moments ago, Representative Stephen Stockman, Republican Texas, announced he would request that the National Security Agency help in the hunt for the missing emails to and from the IRS's Lois Lerner and recover two years' worth of lost emails from the Hill. Yeah, really. Just, uh, it's ridiculous. Mm. It's just silly, this whole thing. Mm. I think everybody's stupid. No, I know. Well, here's the thing. It's uplifting. <laughs> Thousands of uh, Portlanders bike, uh, do naked bike riding. Portland? Oh, they do naked bike riding? Yeah, naked bike riding process. Where do they go? Uh, it's coming up here in a second. Yeah. Uh, they ride uh, they ride and ride naked. They're nudists, huh? Bikeportland.org to inform and inspire. Yes, Portland's annual love affair with Siling uh, uh, Sands clothing once again. Uh, psych, I probably, I don't know what that is. What? The love affair with Siling Sands clothing once again swept through the city tonight as thousands of people took part in the 10th World Naked Bike Ride. Uh, the, the ride started in no Man, Normandale Park. Okay. You think they could wear some bottoms? Yeah, no. well, they wouldn't be the same. Yeah, some, some of the people are. <laughs> the ride started in Normandale Park in northeast Portland. And local residents showed up in force to watch the spectacle unfold. Some people stood silent, fully clothed in the middle of all the nakedness, and others had set up lawn chairs and had cold drinks in hand. Despite some concern that a few disgruntled folks would protest or spread tax on the ground, which was a rumor I'd heard, everything seemed to go smoothly. The park was teeming with people as the hour of nine o'clock rolled around. Excuse <coughs> me. The people who came to ride were from all walks of biking life. They were young and old in every shape and size you can imagine, and everyone was happy. And here are some scenes from the park. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of naked people there, uh, old and young and fat and skinny and, you know, all kinds of nudist people uh, with their bikes. They'll be so uncomfortable. Oh, one would think so, and a lot of droopy asses. Yeah, Not that attractive, yeah, believe me. What a, what a, what a, that's weird. You know why they invented clothes, why? To avoid problems like this. Lots of women are, are not, are, and men are not very handsome, uh, not pretty when they're naked. No. Some, some are, but not, not a lot of them, I'll tell you that. Good. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's hard to narrate nakedness. What do you narrate this? You'd have to see this, folks. Yeah, if you want. It's just, uh, some of these are pretty bizarre. A bunch of unattractive pictures. Some of really bizarre stuff. Oh, yeah. You have, you have thousands of naked people running through point. Look at this guy, the blue, blue guy. He's got a suit smurf, on. Yeah. Yeah, Oh my God! There must be a hundred photos there of uh, people, thousands of people riding bikes naked down the highway. Wow! Wow! Well, oh, you know God. what? As you said, you know why we put clothes on people. Oh my God! It's not really that attractive. <laughs> <laughs> You're not missing anything, folks. Here's from Mail on Nine. If you want to catch this, today, you can go to the bikeportland.org. Okay. okay, to check that one out. This is from Mail on Line. I never trusted a polygraph again. Hillary Clinton laughed in a 30-year-old interview as she recalls how she helped a suspected child rapist walk free after the prosecution lost crucial evidence. 
Hillary Clinton defended Thomas Alfred Taylor, 41, in 1975 in Seattle, Arkansas. Then, age 27, Clinton found a loophole in the prosecution case, and Taylor walked free. Newly unearthed audio interviews from the early 1980s has Clinton discussing the case with an Arkansas journalist. Recordings throw into question Clinton's claim to be a champion of women and children's causes. Taylor died in 1992, and his alleged victim is now a drug addict still in Seattle, Arkansas. In a newly unearthed audio interview, Hillary Clinton reveals how she managed to get a plea bargain for a man accused of raping a 12-year-old girl and shockingly laughed as she indicated she knew he may have been guilty. During the course of the conversation, which dates from the early 1980s, Clinton, then 27, outlined how she used a mistake by the prosecution to get 41-year-old Thomas Alfred Taylor to walk free. Indeed, so cavalier is her attitude to securing the freedom of the man suspected of raising a child that the shocking and candid interview may tarnish her role as an advocate for women and children in the U.S. The recordings, which date from 1983 to 1987, were discovered by the Washington Free Beacon and are of Clinton recalling her role in the most important criminal case of her career. And this is not the first time the trial has been written about. It says, scroll down to listen to the audio interview. Here it is. Go to, uh, yeah, it was just disconnected. Uh, oh, this folks, I just got my mainframe just got, uh, my mainframe here, yeah, my main computer just got hacked. It was out there. It just kind of, it's just normal every time we we go on uh, the show. We start somewhere through the show we wind up getting spiked at least once. Uh, you know, so you know. Noise in the background. I'm sorry, folks. 
on my iPad. It didn't come through that well. But anyway, it I can try it again. That whole thing to. brings into question her um, her attitude toward it. She said it was kind of funny. They said in this article. Well, Leo's going to try to get this. That'll come in better. <coughs> monitored by invisible devices might sound terrifying, but I'm not sure it's terrifying. Yes, is the, is the arrival of the Big Brother in the corporate world such a bad thing? Under the present arrangement, we observed in haphazard and unscientific ways by superiors who might well have made their minds up about us already based on not much evidence at all. Saw's law decrees <laughs> that when you do something good, no one notices, but the minute you do something bad, you get caught. I remember one boss who, once in a blue mood, would walk around the office. Whenever he crept up behind me, I was invariably writing a shopping list or was on the phone to my mom. Such surveillance did not improve my behavior, though it did increase my sense of injustice. To have been monitored all the time, which would have put the shopping list in the context of otherwise diligent behavior, would have been a vast improvement. In most offices, a raft of mainly pointless, cumbersome tools are used to assess performance, including, oh well, competency, competency, competency matrices, uh, appraisal interviews, and psychometric testing. Uh, I don't want somebody be observing me all the time. Thank you very much. Of this not. is in, in support of that. Well, I have, on Thursday nights, um, we have a transdimensional radio with Maria Fix, Jerry, and, and um, she and I are currently in the process of writing a book. But there's a little uh, support for what we are talking about our, our gateway to transdimensional travel. And uh, one of those articles is here by David Icke. It's Enlightenment, Ascension, and the Illusion of Matter. Uh, since the Galactic Central Sun alignment in December 2012, 
Many human beings are experiencing a powerful and profound awakening to their true natures as multi-dimensional immortal beings of light incarnating in physical form. The convergence of the third and fifth dimensional frequencies is uh, causing all kinds of shifts in consciousness and making it significantly easier to have an enlightenment experience, similar to the experience that of Buddha had. Really? Yeah. Well, what was once a rare experience is now more commonplace as large numbers of humans are having the opportunity to clear lifelines of karma in this lifetime. And clearing all of our karma in this lifetime is sufficient to enable the experience of human enlightenment and the recognition of our inner awareness as the true and absolute reality. And see, that's the amazing thing. We've been trying to talk about, we've been talking about, this is from Waking Times, by the way, uh, but this is exactly what we've been talking about. Uh, and not, not that it was inspired by this article, I just found it uh, today. But uh, we've been um, uh, uh, trying to describe the pathways, okay, or the gateways to, uh, to our ascension. And uh, it says here, um, <coughs> what was once a rare experience is now a commonplace, right? Um, uh, the inner awareness as the true and absolute reality. As our vibrations increase, we can have all kinds of miraculous awakenings, joyous realizations, and deep healings that may appear to be enlightenment. And beautiful emotions and major transformations can be life-changing and can often be mistaken for enlightenment. Mm. How can we know if we have achieved enlightenment? Well, what is enlightenment, and how does that relate to the ascension process? To understand these questions enables us to come into a deeper relationship with our own presence of being, to recognize the illusion of the material world, and to begin the work of spiritual integration in order to direct the energies of the enlightenment experience toward our own ascension. What is enlightenment? Right? Enlightenment itself is very simple. It is the profound realization that we are nothing other than a universal awareness, and that universal awareness is ultimately all that there is. To become enlightened is to realize that we are the creators of the universe and the universe itself. Enlightenment is the recognition of our immortal and timeless universal presence and the realization that all other realities are illusions created by projections of the mind. And enlightenment is a realization of being. The universe is just being in our experience, and the experience of the entire universe is nothing other than a reflection of our own being. <coughs> Sorry. You have a little audio there. Why don't you play well, that? Well, that's 46 minutes long. Um, who was in the audio? Uh, I don't know that who was, who was the uh, talk, uh, talker here. Speaker there. Yeah. But mm -hmm. anyway, it says... The simplicity of enlightenment is understood when the primal error in perception, a belief in a self that exists in a state of separation from the universe, is resolved and the illusion of duality is transcended. Duality is a fiction and a creation of the ego mind, designed so that the ego mind can perceive the world from a linear standpoint and make sense of it. The illusion of space-time is created so that the 3D mind can distinguish one form from another and project them in sequence into space-time. Right? Once all forms are projected into the matrix of space and time, the world of separation is born, and everything is then seen as existing out there and separate from ourselves. And these projections are simply thought forms and have no deeper external reality of their own. Isn't that, see, that's, that's amazing. That's what I've been reading. Mm. Studying for the last uh, number of months, uh, years actually, where we talked about this with George mm -hmm. and Maria and, and a number of people, but um, uh, you know we've done uh, hundreds of programs on this topic uh, with George Nixon and Maria Algieri and you know crossing over and mm -hmm. you know, understanding the higher dimensional vibrations and of course the ascension uh, consciousness. And uh, it's now no matter how real the world of matter seems. Deeper uh, inquiry will show that it does not exist outside the five senses of our own awareness. And the sensory channels experience the apparent outer world 
to sensations, and these sensations are then relayed to and interpreted by the mind. Whatever is seen, tasted, touched, heard, or smelled is thus experienced by the mind and within our own awareness. The mind projects thoughts externally, including all sensory mechanisms, and sees what it projects and mistakenly believes the world of forms preceded the mind. And this projection is the root cause of entrapment and Maya illusion. Right. <coughs> <coughs> I'm so sorry. <coughs> I developed this cold eye, but I just can't seem to kick it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a long, lengthy article. But it'd be worth it covers, a, it covers a whole lot of ground. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Was this written by David Icke? Uh, actually, it was written by by Waking Times. It doesn't say David Icke. Uh, mm-hmm. It says Free Spirit Guest. But um, the illusion of matter, and um, probably the most important thing to remember is um, that the third dimension is an illusion. All right, everything that we experience here, we first experienced in fourth dimensional, um, in, a, in a spiritual way, in our imagination. And we created them to become solid, you know. And um, it's 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 really quite bizarre. And there's a whole lot of uh, science reading that you could do on this, including quantum physics and uh, so on. But I think spiritual integration, the process of spiritual integration, enables us to embody the realization of who we really are in our daily lives. This is the real work of practice, being an embodiment of truth on this earth at this time, right? Uh, On the levels of the absolute, there is only the reality of formless awareness. However, having realized that matter is an illusion, the illusion still persists, and we are still here in corporal form. Mm -hmm. Many will ask why one's experience of form persists longer after... Uh, we experience the illusion of it. In other words, the dream continues despite having awakened and recognized the reality that this is a dream. Is it possible to wake up and have the experience of being released from the world of matter entirely? And this is where we must apply the wisdom of enlightenment to the practice of ascension in order to obtain deeper clarity. Having an enlightenment experience does not in itself result in the transmutation of our body. The Buddha, after his enlightenment, did not ascend and instead experienced death. There are three basic stages of the path of realization. The first two, the embodiment of wisdom and love, will result in an enlightened experience in the physical body when they are balanced. Um, once uh, One can remain in this balance and definitely will uh, in this human form uh, with a lot of determination and effort. However, even when this is perfected, it is still only earthly enlightenment, which does not free one from the human condition. It just enables one to become aware of the human condition and its causes. To ascend the body and thus become immortalized requires the recognition that the human condition in itself is not fixed and instead is simply a conglomeration of sensations, <coughs> thoughts, experiences, and ideas that give rise to human experience. To ascend is to transcend the human condition and become higher vibratory form of being, existing in a dimension of consciousness beyond the physical body. We have a body because we are vibrating between two points on a vibratory spectrum. And beyond the lower point, we experience death. And above the high point, the body is immortalized and we experience full ascension. This represents the ascent out of matter that we would ultimately wish to experience once we recognize the illusion of form. And rather than continuing to remain in the world of illusion as an immortal being uh, masquerading as a mortal, we want to embody the deeper truth of who we really are, for incarnating again and again in a world of form is pointless once we recognize the illusion of it and have learned the lessons that duality can teach us. And a direct experience of truth will illuminate our being to the fact that our bodies are nothing other than projections 
and thus we are not really here. If that is so, where are we? Hmm. Good question. Where are we, Leo? Well, the practice of spiritual integration is a process of assimilating our realizations into our experience, and by doing so, our experience evolves. The reality of ascensionism is often perceived as out there, uh, elsewhere the higher dimensional, um, and the work is to make that there become the new here. For as long as those qualities of higher dimensional wisdom, universal love, and the transcendental are projected externally, we remain in separation and thus have not ascended. To ascend is to realize that everything that we are and seek to become is already within us. To apply the wisdom of enlightenment to the path of ascension, it ultimately calls for us to realize that we are the path and we are already everything we seek to become, including uh, becoming an ascended immortal. For as long as there is a notion of a path, there is a search for some kind, of some kind. And when we realize the search takes us outside of our truth of who we are, we, are, we can, will discover the wonderful realization that the qualities of an ascended being already exist within our being. Mm-hmm. And once we recognize that, everything can take care of itself and our reality will naturally change to reflect that level of realization. An ascension is a state of being. <coughs> this is the last uh, segment. Mm. It says, ascension is not a place but a state of being. Ascension um, represents the complete transcendence of the human condition. Enlightenment is to realize that the human condition in itself is an illusion, and the belief in its reality reinforces our attachment to the wheel of birth and death. And with this in mind, we are already whole. The word, the work is not to try and ascend elsewhere, but to find that elsewhere within. And in the full realization of our own presence, we are in all places, all times, all realities, and all universes simultaneously. We have always been and will always be, with, uh, or rather be, but in the descent into the illusion, we forgot and erroneously believed that we only exist here. Balancing the path of ascension and the path of enlightenment is ultimately very simple. It's about awakening to who we are, the universal presence, and doing that in the here and now. Okay, I've read another other uh, works uh, uh, the concept of serial universes mm-hmm. you know, where we live uh, in parallel lives. Parallel lives, exactly. You know, I've uh, heard about that too. I'm not sure I'm convinced on that one. Well, we. We do, and we've proven it in many ways that we that there are uh, opposite, there are higher levels of conscience. We you have, and I have. Well, I'm not sure that I I lead parallel lives in 13 dimensions or something. Well, you do. Well, you do in the fact that that. you know that other people exist in those dimensions, Lila. You know they do, right? You know, you're not. You think that was all hallucination of yours? Huh? I didn't. I didn't say that. I'm not. I said I'm not sure that this is possible. Yeah. It is possible. Well, I'm not convinced. Why not? I'm just not. Why? Because there's really no proof that that people live in 13 different dimensions. Well, actually, it's not 13. Uh, it's 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 multiple, but. Um, there's question as to if there's only Sim- seven. As simultaneously and all that. Uh, they, I don't well, so. you do, and you know, because part of your you when you what you live also you have it, you're in the third dimension, but part of you is also fourth dimensional, you know, fifth dimensional, you know, and so on. Uh, but I just said I'm not convinced. Don't try to convince. Well, me. the reason I'm convincing you is because I'm writing a book on it with well, Maria, okay, and and we've come to the point where we're pretty much cons- uh, are have, have uh, instructed everybody how to get there and what to find, what to see once you get there, okay? And, uh, you know, and how to try time travel or space uh, time travel but interdimensional travel. We will attract a reality and light and enlightenment with our internal state. However, as for long, as for as long as those other worlds are seen as places rather than states of being, they will elude us. 
And when we recognize that ascension is a state of being, we will become we will be we will we will become it with ease, right? And I don't know how I can explain this better, but in the, mastery, in, the, in the mastery of being present here in this dimension, in its reality, only then do the doorways of other realities open. And we are universal beings, and as the entire universe is within our own being, then naturally we can be present in these other dimensions as well. And the deeper truth is that ascension is less about moving our awareness elsewhere and becoming aware of that elsewhere and bringing that awareness into our current experience. The more we do this, the more multiple and dimensional we become. And all he's saying is that, you know, we, they, all the mystery is in ourselves. The mystery is in us. The answer lies within. The answer lies within. But I have an article from Natural News, Engineered to Fail, Why War, Drugs, Prisons, Healthcare, Debt, and Education are all theatrical designs, theatrical scams designed to fail. More and more people are wondering today <coughs> why systems of, <coughs> of American government and corporate enterprise don't seem to be working. The education system fails to educate, the health care system fails to create good health, and the border patrol isn't even allowed to protect the border. Why are these symptoms failing the American people over and over again? The answer, which may surprise you, is that many systems are designed to fail from the very start. The health care system, for example, would collapse if the American people really got healthy and started taking vitamin D, eating healthier foods, exercising regularly, and taking care of their own health. So the government health care system encourages, encourages maintenance of disease rather than preventing or curing disease. Disease maintenance is profitable while disease prevention is not. That's why the health care system is designed to fail at its primary stated purpose, creating good health. If it actually succeeded, it would put itself out of business. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Systems that depend on the continuation of the very thing they claim to oppose. There are all sorts of systems in America today that depend on the continuation of the very thing they impose, oppose in order to continue to exist. Here I list the most obvious ones, but there are many more. Each of these systems works much like a cancer tumor incessantly seeking to expand in size by redirecting support resources to itself. In cancer, the process is called angiogenesis. In government, it's called budget increase. And every agency, department, and group within the government always seeks to grow larger and command more lucrative budgets. To accomplish this, it must stay relevant to some enormous problem in society. If the National Cancer Institute, for example, discovered a, a cure for cancer and shared it with the public, the entire organization would suddenly become irrelevant, and thus the operating budget would collapse. It is the ongoing search for cancer, not its cure, that keeps the, the National Cancer Institute in business. That's why no cures for cancer will ever be publicized. It runs counter to the very existence of the cancer industry. The following list reveals some of the top systems in America which are designed to fail. Number one, the healthcare system is designed to fail. We just talked about that. The food production system is designed to fail to nourish the population. If American people are eating so much food, you might wonder why they are so malnourished in terms of natural vitamins and minerals that are supposed to be present in real food. Their answer is that the U.S. food production system is intentionally designed to cause nutritional deficiencies that lead to runaway food cravings and widespread food addiction. Processed food companies intentionally remove nearly all the important nutrients from food. 
The human body will always signal hunger when it is deficient in essential minerals. That's why people overeat. The prison system is designed to fail. Have you ever wondered what the purpose of the prison system might be? It's sold to us as a reform system that accepts criminals somehow and magically turns them into law-abiding citizens. Yet as Adam Kokesh rightly points out in his new book, Freedom, the entire idea is based on the ridiculous assumption that throwing a prisoner into an environment where he's surrounded by other criminals and gang members will make him less criminal-minded, not more. The institution of prison is structured today is actually a training ground for hardened criminals. People often enter the system as small-time crooks and leave as violent, aggressive criminals with expanded skills and a knowledge of how the criminal world operates. The prison system needs this, it turns out. Many prisons are now run by for-profit corporations which use prisoners as socially sanctioned forms of modern-day slave labor to produce products and goods. Every corporate-run prison must achieve a certain occupancy rate in order to remain profitable. And after all, a half-empty prison isn't profitable to run, so the prison needs more criminals to stay in business. The education system is designed to fail. The last thing a dictatorial society wants is a well-educated population that might achieve a high enough grasp on math, history, and sociology to recognize all the scams taking place around them. Number five, conventional agriculture is a <coughs> will inevitably lead to mass starvation. Well, that's true with the genetically modified food. And the tax system is designed to fail. We just have a couple more minutes. The fool believes that the federal income tax is needed to raise money to fund the government. This is a proven myth, as the government can simply create trillions of dollars instantly, every time it wants to bail out wealthy banks. Number seven, the border security system is designed to fail. Right now, 35,000 illegal immigrants are flooding into Texas each month. This is not a failure, this is a success according to Washington's real aim. The Department of Defense is designed to fail at keeping the peace, just so we can make more weapons. The U.S. Treasury is designed to fail. Those of you who are in the know are fully aware that all the money created by the Federal Reserve, a private non-government banking institute, is borrowed by the U.S. Treasury before being given to the wealthy banks as part of a so-called quantitative easing. The war, number 10, the war on drugs is designed to fail. The war on drugs has a very important purpose, but it has nothing to do with halting the trafficking of drugs. It has everything to do with empowering the DEA, enriching on the take, corrupt law officials, and filling the for-the-profit prisons with cheap slave labor. Conclusion, don't be suckered into thinking policy failures are accidents. Uh, that's true, folks. Uh, Roosevelt said that, uh, Franklin said that every anything that has to do with politics is never an accident. Oh, he's right about that. It's never yeah. an accident. No. It's all planned. And, you know, that's the way it is, folks. But anyway, uh, Pope Francis uh, warns the global economy is near collapse. Wow. Uh, pretty sick. I thought he was supposed to be the bringer of good news. He's annoyed that the uh, super rich don't share anything with the poor. Yeah, like the Vatican. Uh-huh. Yeah. But this is a tax evasion. Walgreens plan for a uh, move from Illinois to Switzerland would save four billion in U.S. taxes. My God, Walgreens. Anyway, um, we're going to close the show now because it's nine, it's nine o'clock. But we want you to uh, want to thank you for joining us tonight, and please uh, join us tomorrow when we do our little union news and views and uh, a full show on um, the economy and what's really going on. And mm -hmm. maybe we have an interview with our good friend Larry Dorman. Mm -hmm. 
So thanks for being with us, and try to survive the heat. Yeah, yeah, really. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody.